I get so many messages. I, I even started putting the videos up on like YouTube and even on our, our, our website as well. But it's crazy. I mean, people's gardens are like, this one lady took a piece of copper, wrapped it in a spiral, put it around a tomato plant. Her tomato plant is 18 feet tall. And she's like, I've never seen something like this before. And I go, it's hilarious because that probably costs you about 50 cents. Greetings and love, beautiful humans. It's Ben, and our guest this week is Matt Roski. Matt is the co-founder of Cultivate Elevate and a purveyor of old world knowledge, which, as it turns out, isn't always that old. Case in point, electroculture, which is a focus of our conversation and absolutely something you should try if you are growing any sort of plant or vegetable in your life. It's easy and inexpensive to set up and may be a huge asset to anyone interested in self-sustainability. We also touch on primal water, 2,000 pound pumpkins, why you should switch to linen, and why you might want to ditch those LED bulbs. Let's do this thing. Welcome back to Terrain Theory. Okay, we are live. Matt Roski, welcome to the Terrain Theory podcast. Happy to be here. Let's start. We always like to start not always, but sometimes like to start with some backstory. I think our audience would like to learn a little bit more about who you are and uh, how you got to this point in time. So I'm Matt and I'm the co-founder of Cultivate Elevate. And we started our company to bring forth ancient knowledge and also solutions to the nonsense that we faced. And another thing that we're big on is getting rid of the fear, right? We are always hit with this fear tactics by the media and the nonsense that they promote you know, with Operation Mockingbird and MK Ultra and all of that. And we're really against all of that and really providing solutions, whether it's on our health, whether it's our terrain, our home, whatever it may be, but we're trying to really combat all the stuff in which we face all the time. So I got into holistic medicine, healing, and understanding Ayurvedic medicine and all of these different natural techniques uh, years ago when I was in the fitness world. I was in the fitness world. I experienced everything in the fitness world. I saw people do a thousand pound deadlifts, thousand pound squats. I've seen just about everything you can think of, but I also was very attracted to natural healing. And when I got into natural healing and understanding different things with mushrooms and shilajad and all these different superfoods, I gravitated a lot more towards that. And as I started to connect myself towards these natural healing methods, they started connecting me more to the earth, to the frequencies, to the energy, to our, you know, our plants to everything. And that's what drew me to Arizona as well, too, because of all of the energy that is in Arizona. There's a hot, high, high level amount of magnetism here. And that drew me when I came here and it all kind of connected. And we had originally a lot of health issues. I had allergies. I had, you know, skin issues. I had tonsillitis. I had all these problems. And when I started cleaning up my terrain, started healing my body, started eating organic, started eating superfoods, started barefoot grounding, everything pretty much went away. And I realized this is really simple and everybody should be able to do this and it should not cost millions of dollars. And we should not be part of this sick care system that continuously is making profit off, off of us and never providing a solution to the root cause. You know, And that's where I started understanding, okay, let's look at certain foods in certain ways, such as a certain mushroom like lion's mane that can help turn on the brain and regenerate neural pathways or dragon's blood, which works on the regeneration of stem cells and skin cells. So there are these different things that are out in nature that can heal us naturally without any problems. And let's use those 
and clean up also our home as well too at the same time. And that's what we talk about a lot with that. But let's do all of those things and we can have a better society. And once we are healthy, in my opinion, like a healthy society is an unstoppable society. You don't have to worry about someone trying to take over, trying to push you over or whatever else because you have your health and then you have your home. And once you have all of that, you pretty much have all your independence from everything else in which we're surrounded by. Yeah, it's the, it's the antithesis of the system that we are in now. And the system that we are in now is one of like oppression and control and imprisonment, disempowerment. It's, a, it's really hard to push back, fight back when you are sick when you are worried about where your food's going to come from, when you worry about how you're going to heat your home, when you're worried about how you're going to find access to clean water, when you're worried about, you know, um, people, people saying climate change, water rising, uh, water scarcity, oil scarcity. And so scarcity is one of those things that you like to address in the work that you're doing um, on podcasts and, and on your blog. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, particularly around agriculture. So electroculture is one of the topics that you've been hitting on lately and one of the ones that we talked about back and forth prior to the show that we would hit on. I'm fascinated by it. It addresses the issue of growing your own food, but also abundance, sort of supporting the population of humans out there using uh, an alternative to fertilizer, essentially, right? Yep. Um, so you have an alternative towards fertilizer, pesticides, and manure. You wouldn't have to use any of those three. And that was the really cool thing about electroculture. Electroculture is basically what you're doing is you're harnessing the earth's energy that's all around us. So if you look at a lot of the old world technology, they have little types of little antennas up on top. You know, if you look at like a church, a temple, a mosque, um, any sacred building, religious building, they always have a little antenna on top. And that's harnessing ether or orgone or chi or prana, whichever word you'd like to call it, life force. But that's basically harnessing that. And usually what they would do is they would have a piece of copper or sometimes uh, iron as well, too. But they had a piece of copper that would run down from that antenna and be put into the earth. And they usually had a garden next nearby to that. And that would help increase the magnetism of that soil. And then they would start to grow more food without the use of pesticides, fertilizers or manure. And those are things we're seeing shortages of. That's what they're trying to inform us, that we're running out of these things. Meanwhile, we have an abundance of everything, but they're trying to tell us that we're running out. But with electroculture, you don't have to use any of those things. And you can simply use just some wood and some brass or wood and copper. And you can make your own little types of antennas, whichever resonate with you and your frequency, because every part of the land is different, right? Like depending on where you live, your frequency is different than if, you know, if you live on the West Coast, it's different than if you live on the East Coast. There's different frequencies, different amounts of magnetism. So when you create these antennas and you start placing these into your garden, you'll start to notice your plants will grow faster. You'll start to yield more food. Your plants will be bigger, right? You will get bigger food like tomatoes that are maybe two, three times the size, potatoes that are two, three times the size. You'll start to notice that you'll have more bees come around. You'll have more insects. You'll have more birds. Your dogs and cats will probably pick up on these things as well, too, because they're big into frequency. So you will start to notice that your whole entire area will begin to change because you're increasing the magnetism. What's happening now is with all these cell phone towers and antennas and all this other nonsense that they're rolling out, it's impacting our soil and decimating the magnetism of that area. So it starts to deaden the soil and the soil becomes dry. And Victor Schauberger was big on this with electroculture because what he learned, and this was fascinating, when we use iron tools and we place them into the soil, we decimate the magnetism of the soil. 
So we lead to drier conditions, drought-like conditions, and less food. And we have to work harder when we use iron tools because iron, it's very hard because it has to go against the magnetism of the earth to go into the, into the soil. So it makes it very challenging to work with. And then you've got to work two times harder and yield half the amount of food. So he proposed in the 1940s that people should be using copper tools. And he created a copper bioplow, which is really cool. Everybody can look into that. It was one of his creations. But he created a copper tool, copper tools, and he presented it to the EU government at that time. And he noticed that when he was using these copper tools, his food was growing like crazy. And it basically started yielding like crazy. And he presented it to them. And they said they didn't want to do this because it works against the kickbacks that they were getting from the fertilizer companies at that time. So they put out a mass campaign, which was basically put on the radio and the newspaper to state that if you use copper tools and you're a farmer, you're going to grow too much food, which is going to make you less money, which talk about <laughs> a, a, you know, advertisement right there. Like you're going to have so much, you better, you're not going to make any money. So the farmers actually at that time believed that because of that proposal and Victor Schauberger's work and all of his other work, he did so much. I mean, he was a genius, but he did so much with vortexes, vortices, spirals, you know, primary water, the whole entire thing. His work was pretty much all decimated. And then he pro proposed this and they pretty much shot it down and they never funded it. So a lot of his information was all pretty much thrown away. And sadly, when he came to America and tried to present it here because they bought him and pretty much brought him here and tried to buy out all his patents, they actually scrapped all of his patents. And then when he flew back, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, back in Austria. But it's just, it's crazy because when you look at all of this, you know, we could be yielding so much food and that's what they were doing back in the day. They understood the magnetism of the earth. And if you harness it, you can grow abundance amount of food without using anything but the energy that's all around us. And what And how far back are we talking? So you're only going back to the, that's Victor Schauberger. You're going 1940s. 1940s. So you're, not even going, you're going post, you're going pre-World War II. Yep. which is interesting because post-World War II, you have a lot of things that happened, but you have the chemical farming, which blew up. You had Monsanto, which also blew up. You know, you had all of this come out that was pretty much like, if you're growing, you need chemical drugs and you need to spray them all over your plants so that you can yield more. And that was right in that time frame. So he was showing people at that time, you know, you could do an abundance of everything because he lived in the forest. He came from a family of foresters, and they lived in the forest. They understood the forest. He understood everything about nature. He even explained to them, if you start cutting down all the trees, you're going to have droughts. You're going to have all this stagnant water because the soil is going to get all messed up. So he was a genius when it came to that. He not only did that, but he also created devices of free energy and the first flying saucer. And you can look into all of his work as well. It's basically, it's, it looks like a, you know, an oval and it would, it would just harness the energy that's spinning around us all the time. And it would be able to take off and do all these different things. So he was a genius when it came to it because he understood the energy that was around us and how to harness it. And certain materials were very healing for also us as humans, like copper, and then also plants as well, too. So he in implemented the two of them. Can I notice that you're drinking out of a copper cup? Yes. That's, yeah. that's, not, uh, that's not a coincidence. No, no. And when... When you start understanding the benefits of copper, it's just, it's remarkable. You know, it's a lot of stuff that we just haven't been told. 
And if we go back a little bit farther, now we go to like 1930s, you go to George Lakofsky. And he was another guy who was big into copper and understood the benefits of copper. He created the Lakofsky coil, which was a simple coil that was made out of just a piece of copper wrapped around in a circle. And you would wear it as a belt or you'd wear it on your wrist. And what he noticed was, was people with inflammation, pain, um, arthritis, osteoporosis, any type of things, all of their pain went away. And he tested this with tens of thousands of people. He had books on books on books about how you could just take a simple copper coil, place it around the body, and it would start to heal that area because of changing the magnetism. So what he noticed was, was when he took copper coils and placed them around plants, that plants that had tumors on them, the tumors would completely fall off and the plant would grow three times the size, even if it was in a pot. And he has all the pictures. You can look up George Lukowski and all of his work. But he also was big into frequency and he understood the multi-wave oscillator, which is another thing people should look into. But the multi-wave oscillator was basically 12 rings or 13 rings on each side of you. And it would emit a high pulsed frequency similar to a Tesla coil. And people would sit in it for 15 minutes and they would be pretty much fixed from anything that they were suffering from. So, you know, when you understand that you can harness that energy that's right next to you, we can also use this energy not only to grow more food, but to heal our bodies, right? Because it all works hand in hand. These frequencies are being manipulated, which then impact our health, which also then impact the plants, the birds, the bees, the insects, and everything else. When you harmonize them, then it starts to bring back all of that and then your health as well, too. This is all very inspiring. So thank you for showering us with with all these beautiful uh, this history and this intelligence and uh, I'm loving it. Are you do you presently garden? Are you using electroculture in your in your life right now? Yes. So I so facing back, if we go back one more little time frame, just to throw one more person. Yeah, in do it. People can go through the time, but you have 1920s. You have Justin Cristo flow. And he created electro, electroculture antennas, which are atmospheric antennas. And he was here in America and they did not like his books. They suppressed a lot of his information because he learned you could use these antennas made from wood and brass, basically, and wood and copper, and you could harness that energy. So what I did was I took some of his stuff that I saw on his books and I made atmospheric antennas and I placed them on my balcony. Now, I have a balcony. It's not a large plot of land. But I get tons of messages of people with lot, large plots of lands where their plants are blooming like no other. But anyway, so I have a Moringa tree and I've grown it from a baby and I put the, uh, the different types of basically coils, copper coils, copper antennas in my plants to see what would happen. My Moringa tree grew to it's like 14 feet now. All the hummingbirds sit on there, the sparrows sit on there, the birds, anything you can think of sits next to the Moringa tree. And then on top of it, when I grew the Moringa pods, which are basically the seeds that grow on the Moringa tree, the average Moringa pod is six to eight inches. That's usually how large they grow. Mine were anywhere from 15 to 22 inches. Now they would have grown even larger, but we had to move the plant because they were painting. But so if you look at that, that's three times the size from six, eight inches to 22 inches. That's almost three times the size of food. And that's what Justin Cristo Flo was learning he had cabbage that was like 12 feet, like 12 feet long. He had potatoes that were yielding two pounds per potato. He had tomatoes that would yield like, let's say a normal tomato plant would yield maybe 20 tomatoes. He'd yield 50 to 60 to 100. 
And this all competed with the pesticide companies, fertilizer companies, and all of the chemical companies. But when I started implementing this in my garden, I now, or my balcony, I should say, which I have all in pots and all different plants. I got a basil plant. I have a pepper plant. I have a mint plant. I mean, it's massive. I have all the hummingbirds. I have all the bees. I have crickets. I have a grasshopper that's about this large. I have have, um, anything you can think of, like every insect possible on a balcony. And I'm on the third floor. So, you know, that's how much gravitation of energy that things pick up on that we're just not seeing. And that's the thing that's being impacted because we need all of these insects, birds, bees, and all of that, because without them, we don't have harmony. And then our plants basically can't function the way that they do because they need either pollinators or they need frequencies from the birds so that they can actually grow. That's actually part of it. And we can talk about that as well too. So, so I was doing, I was doing a little, uh, just a little bit of research on Justin Crystal Flow. Is that how you pronounce his name? Um, and I downloaded, I think it was from your blog, his book on electro culture and, you know, just to find out who this guy is. And so he, this is interesting. He's a, a knight of merit of agriculture. I'm going to read this gold medalist of society of uh, encouragement for national industries, member of society of scientists and inventors of France foundation member of national society of agriculture member of association of Mag- uh, manufacturers and inventors of France. Like this guy has a, has a legit CV and his intro in this book is, uh, is just fascinating. If you read this first paragraph, if your curiosity is not peaked, then, you know, you don't, you don't belong uh, in, in our species is what I say. Um, and, and hearing you and hearing you talk about the anecdotal evidence, you know, firsthand experience, um, be it end of one or otherwise, like, it, it, and, and not only that, but also the accessibility of this, like you, you're not having to invest thousands of dollars in, um, in a device, are you? This is something that you really can just make out of uh, material you find at like Lowe's and Home, De- Home Depot. Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, you can basically take a piece of wood dowel, right? You can find that around anywhere. You can even find wood in your backyard, right? Because it's already harmonized on the frequency of you and your house, right? So that's important. But you can take basically a piece of wood, wrap it with copper, right? You have copper and you just wrap it like a spiral, like a Fibonacci spiral or whatever spiral you would like. Wrap it around, have one point facing up towards the sky and then the other point into the earth. And that's it. And it'll probably cost you... Two bucks, I'm going to say, to notice your plants just go wild, you know, because I get so many messages. I, I even started putting the videos up on like YouTube and even on our, our, our website as well. But it's crazy. I mean, people's gardens are like this one lady took a piece of copper, wrapped it in a spiral, put it around a tomato plant. Her tomato plant is 18 feet tall. And she's like, I've never seen something like this before. And I go, it's hilarious because that probably cost you about 50 cents. You know, because like just the wire alone, but it's just harnessing because we need copper for the healing of the soil. And then because copper harnesses the energy. And that's why you see a lot of these old world buildings. Like I was saying, they have these domes or they have these old parts of the building that are all copper. If you go even to Chicago, for example, and you look at like, you know, these green statues, those used to be copper. You know, so we, we just we don't see it anymore because it's turned green. But those all used to be copper, and that's how they harnessed all that free energy and how they would basically have lights run for free, and they could harness the healing powers as well, too. 
you know, I've so I've Ben and I have looked into this a little bit, and we're some students of I don't even know what word to use, but sort of like alternative history or hidden history. Or, and one of the questions I keep saying saying to myself or asking is, you know, if this is possible, why isn't anybody doing it? And that's I think I'm I'm just like I'm feeling really good about the fact that you're laying it down and you're doing it and you're telling all these stories people are doing it. I mean, I've cruised Instagram and I see these like old sepia tone photos of people practicing electroculture. And I think like, oh, how cool that they did that decades ago, but you're doing it today. And you, I've got, I've got, I'm sort of a budding gardener myself. I just can't wait to, to get, spend my dollar 99 and get this cooking. Well, and the thing is too, is it's a very simple apparatus to put in, you know, and the more you put, Obviously, the more you'll harness and the taller you put it, the taller it'll go. I mean, that's the simple thing because you're basically creating atmospheric antennas. And that's what electroculture was all about. And if we take it a step further, you have, I believe his name is Moses, which is a perfect name for it. But he created the atmospheric water generator. He's down, I believe, in Texas, which basically pulls water out of the thin air. So all of this energy and all of these things are all around us. It's just up to us if we want to harness them. And a lot of this, I feel, was either suppressed or pretty much removed from a lot of the textbooks. Like I have a lot of agriculture people who message me. They've never learned about any of this. A lot of farmers. But a lot of people also, I've noticed, definitely know about this because their grandma and grandpa used to take copper pennies and said, you got to throw them in the garden and let them do their thing and it'll make your plants grow like crazy. And when you go to a wedding and they give you the bouquet, Sometimes they put a copper penny in the bouquet in the actual one that you're holding so that it stays for the next couple of days because they notice that when you put that penny in there, that copper helps that plant live for the next, say, three to four days and look much better. So it's fascinating because it's such simple things and it all relates to pyramid energy, right? Like when we go into this, it's all pyramid energy, like pyramids. There's a whole hidden thing that goes with pyramid energy and electroculture. Both of those kind of pretty much go hand in hand because it deals with magnetism. And when you look at these pyramids that are placed all over, there's 2000 pyramids all over the planet. When you look at all of where the pyramids are, the gardens are also massive around them as well too. The areas in which were very fertile had pyramids around them because they understood putting a pyramid on the ley lines with primary water underneath it, it would then harness that energy and increase the magnetism because of the composition of the materials that they were using. They were using magnetic and non-magnetic materials, placing them together to create a negative energy orgon generator, which would then help the plants around it because the plants need negative ions versus all this stuff that we live in, all these toxic chemicals and all this other stuff create positive ions, which impact our health, but then also impact our plants. So it's interesting because I've learned plants have sap, which is like blood and humans have blood and it goes hand in hand. And when you put copper by your plants, you're enhancing their sap, which is their life force. And when you, as a human, wear copper or have copper in your body or use a copper cup, you're enhancing your life force as well because they both go hand in hand. But a lot of it was hidden, like I was saying, post-World War II because the chemical farming had to take over. And that's when they did the DDT push, right? DDT for me, DDT for this and DDT for that was a big attack on the birds and the bees and the insects. And not only the humans, but especially the birds, the bees and the insects. And it's interesting because when I was getting into electroculture, I started studying people who use sound frequency to boost their crop yield. They would basically take a speaker, his name was Dan Carlson and he had a speaker box 
and he would emit bird chirping sounds to his plants. He'd spray them with a little fermented wine, and he noticed his plants would grow 30 to 60% within three months. Versus if he played loud music like rock music, the plants would actually move away from it because they didn't want to be by it, and they would die within two weeks. So these are all frequencies and things that we cannot see, but they're impacting these things. And when they sprayed all that DDT, they killed millions of birds, right? And those birds impact agriculture. So then they have to now, people now have to buy these drugs that they're spraying all over the plants to drug their plant to make it grow, but they're decimating the soil underneath without even realizing it. And then now you have this lifeless plant, which then leads to illness and then has now had that soil destroyed. And then they got to spray more and more and more. And it's this constant cycle where you're dependent on these chemical companies. But I want to just relate it in there so people can see it because there was a couple people like Les Brown, which everyone should look into, who basically learned if you take a pyramid and you place it in your house and you put food on top, you could preserve it indefinitely because of the energy that's basically pulsing from the, the symbol of the pyramid. If you put the food inside the pyramid, you can do the exact same thing. So it was fascinating because he basically made a device and you can look up all his patents too as well. But he basically made a device where he had a bunch of little pyramids kind of like this. You put an egg on top of it and it would last forever. You didn't need a fridge. You don't need a freezer because it would just preserve it. So, 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 so just the geometric the geometric form of the pyramid itself, yes. um, uh, regardless of material that you're using. Yes. Harnesses some some sort of magnetism that can keep, can pr- preserve food without any sort of electricity. Pretty much, yes. That's that's amazing. So we should all just be we should all have pyramid shaped refrigerators that aren't plugged in. That would that would do it, right? That would be an easy thing. And that's the thing, like all of these things in which we've been given in the new world, right? Because that's what we live in. The new world, we've been given all this technology that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it makes a lot of money. So that's why they give us this technology. But when you look at it, it's it's not efficient. It's it, it leads, you know, you look at your fridge, for example, it gets moldy, there's dampness, there's wetness, all this stuff. Half your stuff goes bad within, you know, let's say a couple of days, whatever it is because of the moisture. But they were using pyramid energy to store things. They also noticed, now we're going to take it to another step, is if you take a pyramid and you place it in your backyard, you make it out of wood, you make it out of copper, you can make it out of anything you want, and you take seeds and you place those seeds in the pyramids, and the Russians experimented with this. But if you take those seeds and you place them in the pyramid, you will notice that that, those seeds will be supercharged. They will grow three to four to six times the size of the average seed. They will also sprout 100%, right? So that's another thing. They learned if you take these certain shapes and you put things in them, they will start to sprout faster and they will yield more. And they've shown pictures, Russians have shown pictures of, for example, a a seed in a pyramid and a seed out in a control where it's just on a plate. And the one with the plate grows maybe three feet. The one in the pyramid is like nine feet. And that's the other part of what we just the frequencies we can't see from these geometrical shapes. This is wild. So, okay, so start with seeds of the pyramid, then plant it, uh, use your electroculture sort of staff with with copper around it, then as it's growing, spray it with wine and uh, pump bird song into it. And now you've got like a Jack and the Beanstalk like sized plant. That's just going to stretch up to the sky. Pretty I mean, much. This, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then you can add, if we're going to take it to the next level, there's another one. So then you can add basalt, 
or azomite. Those are different types or magnetite. And you can basically use those to increase your magnetism of the soil. So you would basically pour azomite on your soil or basalt or magnetite, and that will increase the magnetism even more because now you're enhancing the soil, right? So you already enhanced the seed. Now you put the antenna and then you now put the basalt and the magnetite all over and you will notice your plants will just go through the roof. And it's interesting because Wilhelm Reich, who's another beautiful soul who did so much with orgone and energy and all the things that he created, he was studying with another guy, I believe his name was, uh, I think it was Thomas. And Thomas basically created an apparatus where he started to understand that if you take magnetite and you place it out in the sun, it will harness the sun's energy. And if you bring it indoors on your plants, they will have the exact same energy and grow the same size as if they were outdoors. So we have all these LED grow lights and all this nonsense. And it's interesting because when you use LED grow lights, you have to bring the plants outside because they don't get the full spectrum of the light. So what he understood was if you take magnetite, put it out in the sun, it will harness the earth's energy. And then when you bring that magnetite, put it in on your soil or your indoor plants, they will grow as if they're outdoors. Yeah. Do you know of any farms that are doing this at scale or, or if there are, are they just not telling? So there are a lot of farms, for example, like in Europe that are doing this. There's some right. farms in Italy as well, too. There's a couple of farms who've reached out to me and we're kind of putting together some stuff and things like that to kind of do it on a larger scale. You know, because somebody messaged me, I think they have like 40 acres, you know, and so it would have you'd have to build quite a few. But once it's the cool thing is, is once it's set up, you don't have to change it. Mm. You don't have to do it again because it's already set up. But if you want to go into history that's also been suppressed, the 2000 pound pumpkin, those people yeah. are doing it right. right. The, 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 the pumpkins that are so large that people are like, how oh, they grow that? They're doing that. And also a lot of those are grown. This is another interesting thing is they're grown in Alaska or they're also grown in Hawaii. Why are they grown in those two states? Because the magnetism of the earth is at its highest points in those two areas. And the soil is loaded with volcanic ash, which is very high in magnetism, which is known as basalt. And that's what's also basically making everything bigger. You know, if you go to Hawaii, it's like a jungle. You know, everything is massive because the basalt from the ash is actually very beneficial. And that's why they would burn things at the time, like the volcano would come, it would burn things and it would regenerate because when it went through that regeneration cycle that people are fearful of, it's actually boosting their soil through the roof so that they can yield even more food. So in reality, volcanoes are actually a very important part of our plants and and of our, our soil, but they get a bad rep because, you know, they're saying people are going to get burned and whatever else. So it's interesting, but yeah, I've seen a couple farms and as they're doing it, it's just wild. I mean, I have people with their, they have a backyard and they have probably about a half an acre and all of their food is like 20 feet tall. <laughs> just wild. It's just, it's literally looks like a forest, you know, and even with the, you know, the chemical stuff that goes up in the scale in the air all the time that they keep trying to hit us with, even with all that, the plants are still blowing up like no other. I can't wait. Matt, in your, in your research, uh, have you come across a, a suitable definition for ether? Uh, so there's a book, um, there's a book I was reading that basically explains the, what it, what it really is, but it, it's not what, how we perceive it as like atoms and molecules and everything else. It's kind of, 
just think of like vortexes around us spiraling and they're in all different shapes and directions. It kind of is like when you, here's, I guess, the best example. You lay out in the sun, you close your eyes, but the sun is still beaming down. You open your eyes and you see all these little floating dots and they're all floating every different direction all over the place in circles, whatever direction it may be. That's the best way to describe the energy that's around us. There's no really tangible form to explain it or physical form to say this is what it looks like. And that's what makes it seem like it's just fake, right? Because you can't see it. But it's the problem is, is we only have these five senses, which are kind of limited in what we can see. And until our body is maybe in a different state, such as breath work or meditation or different things, then we don't really pick up on these things. But insects, on the other hand, can pick up on this all the time because they see infrared and UV and their antennas are vibrating almost 2 million times per second. So they can pick up on all of the energy that's around, but we just can't because our eyes can only see to a limited extent. And we're so detached from nature that we don't observe those animals that can see this thing and almost as it were, see through their eyes or antenna. Well, and that's the thing is like, how about this? Why do dogs spin in a circle before they use the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, but they're picking up on the magnetism of the earth so they can understand where to use the bathroom. So like a simple thing like that, why do birds spin in a circle? You ever see a hawk? It spins in a circle. What it's doing is it's creating a vortex up in the air so it can pick up on the magnetic ley lines that are all below us so it can know where to go. And that's the problem with all these towers and cell things and everything else is they're impacting those birds. Then you have bees, right? Bees get impacted on their GPS. They pick up on frequency, they pick up on energy, and they levitate. Bees and beetles are levitating. They're emitting a 28 kilohertz frequency, which allows them to levitate because they actually have pyramids built into their wings. So if you take a wing of a beetle and you look into it under a microscope very deep, you'll see there's pyramids over and over and over and over again in a symmetrical pattern that causes their ability for them to levitate. And then same with that, you know, you have, if we're going to go to the pyramid as well, too, you have, why do people wear a dunce cap? That's a big one, you, right? We were taught that that person cannot read or dyslexic or whatever they say. But in reality, when a person places a dunce cap on top of their head, their electrons start spinning back the opposite direction and so that they can read. So, you know, all of these things are those frequencies in which we cannot see or understand. And they also go with our beautiful animals. And they pick up on it as well. But like you said, we've been detached from nature. We've been detached from Mother Earth, you know, connecting, hugging the trees, you know, talking to the plants, right? Because Marcel Vogel with the Vogel crystals, he understood you could talk to plants and get energy and uh, there's emotion. There's all of these things that can be picked up on. And we've been disconnected from that. So the more we get into the dirt, we get like into the earth, we start barefoot grounding, we get connected the more we'll start to pick up on these things. And I did tests where I would go out and I would draw different figures in the earth, right? I would draw a vortex. I would draw triangles. I would draw sacred geometry. I've, I've tested it all. I will watch in 24 hours, birds come around and start finding seeds. I will watch ants come around. I will see bees coming around. And I noticed too, if you chant or do any types of meditation, your frequency will be different based on the drawing that's in the ground. So if you think about it, the earth is like a speaker system that we just can't even understand that just the simple putting a drawing into the earth can basically change the frequency of that area with just a simple, literally a stick in your hand. And that's it 
can change the frequency of that earth. And then all of a sudden you'll start to notice all the plants around you will start to bloom and start to go crazy because you've just uplifted the energy just using your thought. I don't think it gets more empowering than that. Back to your, your, um, your point about bees levitating, bees and beetles levitating, not exactly flying. I remember reading somewhere that the bumblebee, according to the laws of aerodynamics, should not be capable of flight, that its physiology should not support flight. And I think you've answered uh, how that happens. And then I think I also re- remember reading something about Arctic foxes and the way that they uh, they hunt. You know, they listen to the animal below the snow, but that they always navigate according to the Earth's magnetic field. That somehow they're always sort of uh, pouncing in the same direction every time, and they're doing that using some sort of uh, awareness of the Earth's magnetic field. And so there you are. You, like we have this understanding. We are sort of taught this, but I don't think that we fully appreciate it. And what you're doing is not just the appreciation, but then taking the next step and going, okay, let's start integrating, as Mike says, appreciation to integration. Like, let's integrate this into my daily life and and see what we can do. Um, so you've mentioned, and I want to get into this a little bit more, the um, assaults that we face every day from, you know, the buildings, the LED lights, the towers, um, the things that disrupt the non-native EMF, as it were. Do you use these like electroculture, magnetism, um, copper, copper coils? Can you use those things to sort of protect or mitigate against the impact of non-native EMFs and the assault upon us by our own society? So you can use it if you wear it, right? Certain metals, depending on what you're wearing, can impact your health, right? So for example, you could wear gold if you need energy. You could wear silver to turn on your mind. You can wear copper to get rid of inflammation and pain. And, you know, the thing is, too, is when you wear copper, let's say on your first finger and your thumb and you connect them and you make the circle. Now you just made a circuit. Right. That's the, the, the whole point of making the different hand signs and hand gestures. You're making different types of circuits. That's basically what's happening. So you can use those depending on what you're wearing, because each metal will resonate at a different frequency and can heal you in a different way. And that's that going back into alchemy and all of the information that we've lost about how metals can actually be very beneficial. Now, for safeguarding your home, what we want to do is we want to get rid of any type of material such as plastic that's in the house. And that's such as polyester, polyurethane, rayon, nylon, anything that's synthetic. And anytime you buy something, you should turn over the tag and make sure that it says 100% whatever it is. Even if it's marketed as bamboo, it might not be bamboo. It's probably polyester. So we want to get rid of those plastic materials out of the home because they build up negative static charges, which lead to restless leg syndrome, and then also lead us to not being able to relax or heal, right? Because when we're bombarded with all these frequencies, whatever we are wearing or we are sleeping in, right, like our sheets, that's why linen is so important to be sleeping in, but because linen cannot hold a static charge. Mm -hmm. So with all this radiation and cell phones and all this other stuff that we face, We need to be sleeping on materials that pretty much cannot sustain a frequency, I'm sorry, a a static charge because that static charge will impact our health. Now you can wear materials, you can drink out of copper cups, you can drink out of clay cups, right? Because clay is a neutral material as well too. You know, there's different types of things that you can do, but the first and foremost is changing the materials in your home, right? If you have even couches that are made out of plastic, I hate to say, but get rid of them because not only are they made out of plastic, but they're off, they're off gassing a bunch of chemicals while you're laying there too. And they're going to heat you up and cause skin conditions. 
That's why a ton of people got skin conditions because the polyester plastic clothes that are on their body are heating them up in a bad way, which is working against them. So first and foremost, with frequencies, that would be number one is the clothing. Number two, getting rid of the Wi-Fi out of your home, right? And de-Wi-Fiing everything, hardwiring things, getting an Ethernet cord like I have connected into my computer right now and connect it into your device when you need the Internet. Because that pinging, you're allowing, you are consenting frequencies to come into your home and then to pulse wherever they may be. And it's interesting that you said about the fox because the fox, the birds, the humans, the bees, the insects, all of those things, we all have in the center of our forehead and in the center of all animals' foreheads, we have crystals that are made out of calcite, which is part of the penile gland and the third eye. These frequencies that are constantly being emitted all the time, what's the first thing they hit? This third eye that's open, because this brings all your knowledge and all of your awareness, right? Your ability to, to say in a gut way, this is not correct. So they're trying to dim that and turn that down so that we're not thinking and going, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. No, this is dangerous. And I will say it because I brought a router into the house and it pretty much almost disabled me. And it was interesting because you could not turn off the Wi-Fi on this device. These new devices that they're trying to give people for free or put a part of their plan, you actually cannot physically disable it to 0%. So those frequencies impact our health because they're pinging 24-7, 365 while you're sleeping, whatever it may be. And then it's causing uh, just like that, a pulse, which will make you not be able to sleep, not be able to make your brain function. It'll impact your heart. It'll impact your blood. It'll impact your organs, all of those things. So the first two, I would say, is the, the clothing. And then I would say the next is getting rid of Wi-Fi. And it's these are simple solutions. They don't cost much. And then the third one, which is probably the biggest one as well, too, is your lighting, right? If you have LED lights, those LED lights can be linked up to Li-Fi or Wi-Fi. And that pulses the same frequency all the time. And that will mess with your circadian rhythm and your ability to sleep. So, you know, we're, we're hitting with, we're getting hit with these frequencies that are basically causing us to be up all night, impacting our mind, impacting our heart. And then also the leading cause of cataracts is LED lights. It burns out the eye and causes it to basically degenerate over time. So we want to switch to incandescent bulbs, which are not part of this whole weird frequency spectrum that they're trying to give us a blue light. And those three things are probably some of the best stuff you can do for your home, because now you've gotten rid of all the weird polyester plastic materials and whatever else over there. Then you've gotten rid of the Wi-Fi. And then now you have beautiful lights to relax in so you can read a book. And then once you start reading books, you can start remembering it because the problem sometimes with all of our screens is this stuff can blank our mind because it works on the alpha brainwave. So it's important to go back to some of the old things we used to do, even including candles. Yeah. You can do candlelight meditations. You can stare at a candle for 20 minutes and you will get into a heavy theta state and it will put your mind to a higher level. These are all things that can be implemented. And then the last one, if we're going to go outside of our home, because there's also things we can be doing out there, is to start barefoot grounding and putting your whole body on the earth physically, your whole body like a starfish laying out on the earth and put your arms, every single thing. So everything touches, get rid of all your devices, everything, AirPods, cell phones, any of that nonsense, put it all away. Go lay out on the earth in an area that there's no electrical wires and just let your body relax, put a blindfold over your eyes or whatever you need to and lay there for 30 minutes. You will feel like a whole new person because now you're taking off all the electrostatic 
that's built up on your body because we're surrounded by so much electricity and static and EMF that it will help pull it all off. And that static is causing heart attacks, knee pain, back pain, headaches, frustration, anger, not ability to think. I mean, the list goes on and on. And it was interesting because once you start doing that, and I do it every day, once you start doing that, you just start feeling great because now your body is functioning because your cells are not clumping together and being like, what's going on? I can't move any oxygen or minerals around. And it starts to heal and you go back into balance. And that's it. It's difficult to find incandescent lights these days. They've almost phased them out. I mean, intentionally. They were, they were uh, when LEDs came around, well, first you had the CFLs um, and then you had the LEDs uh, just as a greener, you know, a greener solution because they're going to last longer and it's really hard to find incandescent or they're just not as, as prominent in the, the lighting section of your hardware store. So currently there was a ban that was placed about three months ago due to the administration saying that we're going to save the climate. But it's interesting because when you break an LED light in your home, you need a hazmat to clean right. it up. You also need to shut off your air conditioner. And if it does harm you, you have to follow six steps before you can even file a lawsuit because of the damages that actually occur because you get poisoned by the mercury and all the chemicals that are inside of them. So it's interesting. We're trying to pivot towards saving the planet, but we're putting this toxic chemical all over the place. And also not only that, the flicker rate of LEDs is 3 million. Right. So you have a strobe light inside of your home and it's pinging all the time, just strobing. So it's going to lead to headaches, seizures and all types of other issues as well. But as for the incandescents, you can look online. There's a couple different websites online where you can still order them. You can always go to a thrift store as well, too. Sometimes like an antique store, they have them as well. But, you know, there you can also get some large, if you want, bigger candles and get like a cone, put it around yeah. it. It'll amplify the light, you know. But as for it, you know, with the incandescents, it's yeah, we have to just look online and shop because these hardware companies, I did a video about six months back, these hardware companies, when I went there and I talked about how they were being banned, I asked the guy, well, what's going to happen? He goes, well, we don't know if they're actually banned, but we're just going to go with it because, you know, we're told to do it. And I go, but they're not banned. I go, it's an executive order. And he goes, well, you know, it's, we're just going with it. That's what the company said we're going to do. And I go, okay. So now we fast forward, let's say now we're in October. So that was six months later. Now they're harder to find because these companies have stopped carrying them because, you know, they're trying to say we need to just push these LED lights. And the other issue with those is they have Wi-Fi built into them, which you have this. It's a horrible combination of a blue light frequency and Wi-Fi and Target, for example, had cameras in their LED lights. So if you bring an LED light into your home, do you have cameras in your home? You know, it's just weird things to think about and things to look up that. Don't make a lot of sense of why I need to bring these things into my home. I'm reminded of the advice as pertains to diet that I heard sometime in the last couple of years. You know, if it didn't exist 100 years ago or 200 years ago, maybe you shouldn't be eating it. But it sounds like you can apply that little nugget of wisdom across the board, whether it's your furniture, your clothing, uh, your light, the way where your light comes from. Your, all of it if it didn't exist now the the irony of that statement of course is that as we're learning there's a lot of things that did exist 100 200 years ago that were actually pretty um advanced on the technological front <laughs> so so that actually cuts both ways well and also too with what you just said i mean if you look up john keely i think everybody should look into him he created ether devices that had energy basically he had energy and he created engines and all different types of devices that ran on ether. 
and that was it. He could draw a symbol on the wall and turn on an engine and hit behind him. Jesus. And it was just, I mean, if you want to take it to a whole nother level of understanding, John Keeley was like on a whole nother thing. He had so many patents, they destroyed all of them because he was basically 2000 years ahead of everybody else. And he was 1877, you know? So when you're looking at it, it's like, we've had, like you just said, we've had a lot of this technology, but they've now pretty much dampened it down and sold us some garbage. That's like one tenth of it. I mean, I can look outside right now. I got cars in front of me that get 20 miles to the gallon and it's 2022. Yeah, There's never been a better invention. There was a car in 1976 that ran on water, right? There was a, there's so many different things that came out and it's like, we, we get this bait and switch. That's how I kind of see it. And we just have to go back to, like I said, reading and then grounding and then bringing ourselves back into the logical state. Because when we're put in this relating it all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, when we're put in a fear state, we do not think logically. The logic turns off. We go into this primal state where we're not thinking. We can't come up with solutions. We're always in chaos. You know, everything of our whole life is in chaos. But when we realize that we live in abundance and we can solve everything as society, because we are, like I said, the 99%, when we realize that and take back that power and we start with our homes we can then help somebody else for their house as well too. And I get a ton of messages about how their how everybody has changed their houses and it's a whole different thing. And it's just simple things that we can do, but just do it in a checklist. Do it one at a time. Change one thing, change another, change another. And that those little things that you do, even with the three we started with, with just the clothing, the Wi-Fi, and the, the frequencies of the lights, those three alone, you'll be a whole new person. Now you can incorporate organic foods. Now you can incorporate, you know, primary water. Now you can incorporate all these different other things and bring those in as well. And you will be a whole new person in the matter of one year. And it didn't cost you more than much of anything, but that's what we need to do because we're constantly facing all the nonsense where they suppress a lot of this information. Matt, you mentioned abundance again, and I want to touch on primary water. Um, before this this podcast episode is over, because you've been talking about primary water a lot. Um, Andrew Kaufman mentioned it briefly in our interview with him. I know you've done some deep dives on it. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about about what it is and what you've discovered? So, primary water is the water that comes out of the earth from the combination of hydrogen and oxygen that is basically pressurized like a. Sorry. So anyway, so primary water is the combination of hydrogen and oxygen that comes up from a pressurized system like a volcano coming out of the earth, creating new structured living water. So the water that they sell us in our pipes is pretty much recycled sewage to tap. It's loaded with fluoride. It's loaded with arsenic, lead, and all these types of contaminants. And primary water is pure water. If you look into the primarywaterinstitute.org or the book New Water for a Thirsty World, You can learn more about this topic, but basically it's the bait and switch we've been sold where we're running out of water and we don't know what to do because the secondary water cycle above us, which is rain and snow and all of that is pretty much supposedly changing and we're running out, but they're not telling us about the primary water that's filling all the springs, the creeks, the different areas of the earth. And it's interesting because that water is alive. When you consume alive water, you start to heal and you start to regenerate. When you consume water that's next to a cell phone tower, you're consuming basically water that looks like applesauce under a microscope. The structure of it is completely destroyed. So we, we are not taught about primary water because it puts us in that scarcity mindset. 
But it's fascinating because in the 1950s, they used primary water to fill Lake Elsinore. Lake Elsinore was a man-made holding tank, just like the other 53,000 man-made holding tanks we have in America. But they used primary water to refill it at that time. And my buddy, he actually lived in Lake Elsinore and was blown away that one day, all of a sudden, the lake went dry. And the next day, it had water. And he's like, I'm totally confused. And there were other people in California where they lived in Northern California and an earthquake happened and all of a sudden their rivers were flowing again. And this is why this has been hidden from us because if we know that there's all this water that's unlimited and beautiful and and not contaminated below us, we could access that and hit those water veins and have unlimited water and not be put into the scarcity mindset that we are running out. And then if you take it to another step, you go to Libya and the eighth wonder of the world, which is what Gaddafi was building, He was building the largest water pipeline in the world so he could supply all of Africa and the Middle East with water. He was also having organic farming. He was also going to give his people his own currency. He also was going to do a lot. I mean, it was wild, the amount of things. But the first thing that was taken out when they went into the country and invaded was the water pipeline. Why? Because with structured, beautiful living water, you can have an abundance of food. You can have an abundance of everything. And it was interesting because when I got into primary water and I started understanding it and I started finding it, I would go out and, you know, find it out in nature and everything else. It never made any sense because, you know, we're always told, oh, the weather is changing and this is first we're heating up. Now we're cooling down. Now we're heating up. Now we're cooling down. And it's interesting because first they were saying the glaciers were melting, but now we're running out of water. You know, it's always this goofy thing of switch back and forth, which never adds up. But when I was going and touching primary water and being in it, you are electrically charged. You will have more energy than you can possibly imagine because the vortexes which are being created to increase the magnetism that you are sitting in will charge your body like like you just, I don't know, like not to say you had a Red Bull, but you will have so much energy you won't <laughs> know what to do with it because you've now taken off all the electrostatic that's sitting on the body. And we can also use primary water to create free energy. That's why they built all these dams and placed them all over the earth because they want to block all the free energy that's flowing through the vortices of the water. You can take a device and place it on top and you will notice that the electrical charge will be high on an area where there's a lot of water. And there's also a lot of oxygen, which is also magnetic, which is very healing for the body. So we've been deceived on the whole primary water thing because they want us to be disconnected from nature and go to our tap, turn on the sewage to tap with the poisons and the toxins, rub that stuff all over our body, and then be made believe that we're going to run out because in reality, in 2021, they put water on the stock market as a commodity. And that's the whole reason. When you follow the money, you can see that they can now manipulate the price and charge you whatever they feel because it's been put on the stock market, not because we're actually running out. So it's the Primary Water Institute, correct? Yes. .org is um, is one of the organizations that's that's at least bringing awareness uh, to the existence of primary water. Are you aware of um, efforts to to cut us off from primary water? I mean, other than the ones that you talked about, like damming, the damming that goes on. I mean, um, you you said you went and you bathed in primary water, and I mean, primary water is like if you went to a natural spring. That's essentially primary water, right? Primary water fills the aquifers, and then if a, if an aquifer creates a spring that comes to the surface, that's primary water, correct? Yeah, it's right off the mountain. So you'll see like a mountain, and you'll see this just this creek that you're kind of confused why it's there. 
It could be from a volcano or whatever it may be, but it's basically just there's primary water coming out of there and that's filling that creek. And you'll see it just keep pouring out of the mountain. It just keeps going, you know, and even if you look into Bosnia, they got tons of water pouring out of everything, every mountain, every crevice you can name. It's primary water. So, you know, that's it's the magical water, but we can find it with dousing rods, right? If we go back into the ancient times of dousing and how they called them witches and whatever else, it's funny. But with the dousing rods, you could actually find primary water. And I have a friend also, too, they drill primary water wells. They have a device where they can basically measure the gamma waves and they can tell where the primary water is. And they'll drill on that spot because it's a hot spot that's producing, let's say, a thousand gallons per minute or whatever that it could be. It could be 10,000 gallons per minute. But we do have the technology, no matter what they do of trying to cut us off or whatever nonsense they put in the air or whatever else that they try to do, the water will always keep coming and we can always find it. And with dousing rods, if you walk around with them, you can get some simple brass dousing rods. You can walk around the earth. You can ask the earth, where is the water or is there water here? And those dousing rods will just connect. And then you'll know there's water right below you. You can do that for gold. You can do that for silver. You can do that for your health. If you have a health ailment, you can put dousing rods in front of your heart if you have heart issues and they'll cross telling you you have a heart issue. That's how they used to tell where things were. But no matter what of them trying to cut us off altogether and then buying up land, there's so much land. There's so much land. There's so much water. There's so much abundance. And they can keep trying to do whatever they're doing, but it's always going to be there. And if let's say one person bought a land, bought land and found primary water on that spot, that person could supply enough water for the entire city, yeah. just that one person alone. You know, so we have to really reverse the the fear of like I heard Walmart's buying it all up. It's like it's not. They're not going to purchase everything because right now I can walk outside and go buy some land, and it probably has most likely ninety nine percent. There's a spot on there that has primary water underneath it because there's so many water veins underneath us. And that's what creates so much energy below us with the magnetic ley lines as well, too. Uh, you're in a city, right? You're in a, are you in like a suburban area of Arizona? So we're in northern Scottsdale. So that's okay. So you, you're on city water. Yep. So where do you get your water and how do you, you know, how do you source primary water or living water? So we go up to a couple different places. There's places north and then there's places west and just a bunch. You can go to findaspring.com and you can check out that one as well too. But we just find different ones. I go hiking and I'll find a spot. I'll test the water, check it out and know. And then you can pretty much know if it's usually below 100 parts per million, It's you're at primary water. If it's over 500 or whatever it may be, then you probably are not on primary water because it's water that's been sitting. But we do that. And then also we get distilled water as well and do a lot with distilled water because distilled water is a water for electrical devices, which we are electrical beings. So bringing distilled water into the body can actually purify and remove a lot of toxins. And if you want, because you feel that you're supposedly depleted on minerals, as they always say, you can take a pinch of sea salt and put it in there if you wish. But the thing is, is that's what we do. And then we have some shower filters to remove the chlorine and the chemicals as well too. But in the future, it will be drilling a primary water well and doing that and then having access to that. And then also having the gardens showing all the electric culture so you guys can see that as well too. And then combining all of those things into a whole thing so that people can know that it's all done. But I have people outside of here that are also doing that and have hooked up to either primary water or are doing the electric culture and their gardens are going nuts. 
Amazing. We we really look forward to getting this conversation out into the world. And as Mike said, um, implementing this in our own lives. Matt, a couple of questions that we ask all our guests as we near the end here. What are your non-negotiables, those habits that you do every day to tend to your terrain? So I would say the first one is is meditation. That's probably one of the biggest. Like we 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 plan and then we meditate because I think that's one of the most important things that you can possibly do because you need to get your mind into the right like frame, right? Because the problem is is we're we wake up, we're stressed, we're pain, pain, and whatever it may be. There's noise outside, whatever it may be. We got to get our mind right, you know. And I think that's really important. And then just setting obviously a positive mindset to say today's going to be a great day and whatever happens, I'm going to figure out solutions to it because that's just how it's always been. And even with all of this stuff, like everything that I've been learning and even reciting to you as well too, it's just, I buy books and I collect and I read and I just sit and just keep going down the next thing and reading and reading and reading and reading. And that's one of my biggest ones. I mean, we need to go back to reading. If, if, we're, if I'm going to pick anything that people need to do, because there's so much information in these books and the, the internet suppresses so much information, like everything, like even they, they fact check my information yesterday, but they say that it's true on the article. So it's like, it's so goofy. So we really need to be connected to these beautiful books that we used to hold. And there's something majestic about them because of the frequency of the book. If you look at old books, they're made out of cotton, linen, and leather, which are all natural frequencies that we are supposed to be holding. The newer books are made out of plastic and they're coated with gloss. So that's not a natural frequency to be holding. So if, if we look at frequency that's all around us, we need to reconnect to the frequency as much as possible. And that's what I'm all about. It's there's I have to be connected and I have to keep getting information and I have to keep evolving, right? As, as, as I understand these things, because when you start putting it all together, it all starts to connect the dots. And there's big reasons of why we haven't been told this. And it also changed our health. Learning all this stuff changed our health forever. I don't get sick. I don't have health issues. I don't have to pay any bills. I don't have any of that. I used to have all kinds of issues. I had every health issue known to man and they're all gone. I don't suffer from anything. And it's amazing. And once you can understand that you can have that power, you just, it's great. Like it's, it's amazing. And I was affected by radiation. I was affected by EMF. I've been affected by, by everything. And I can say now that my life is great. And that's that mindset that I really try to put my brain into as well too. Every day when I start my day. I love it. You got to keep evolving and you have to keep uh, elevating too, right? Speaking of where, can, where can the people learn more about you? So you can find us on cultivateelevate.com and we have all of our information with our blogs on there. You can check them all out. You can research any of these topics. And then we also are on Instagram, Telegram, YouTube, and Rumble. And I put all of the videos as well. I do a live usually every Monday. And then I put a lot of, I'll go through different topics and I'll put different stuff up and just try to hit on them. But anything new that I learn, I just keep trying to put it out because I feel like if even in this podcast, just the information going out, if one person does it, there's now 10 other people who are going to do it because that one person, and that's the way we make change. Because if we just hold all this information and I just hold it and it, it doesn't go anywhere, then that's horrible. And I realize that a lot of these beautiful souls like Victor Schauberger and Justin Cristo Flo and all of these people wrote all these books and nobody knows about them. It's horrible. The information is just basically being just lost. So we really need, if you start to learn it or somebody else does, they need to spread the information far and wide because we need to continue this. Otherwise we forget and then we get taken advantage of. 
Amen. Here's to sharing. Matt, thanks so much for joining us on the Train Theory Podcast. Happy to be here. Now it's time for the after party. Come and join us in the pioneer room. Come and join us in the pioneer room. Welcome everybody to the after party in the in pioneer the room. Pioneer room. I've been, uh, I don't know about you, have you been working on uh, decalcifying your pineal gland, Benjamin? I need some CMOS for that. I need to hit up our boy, Covell McDermott. Do you do any like sunrise gazing or sunset gazing? Have you wor- stacked that habit yet? Yeah, I get outside uh, as soon as the sun comes up. I have so the sunrises, sunrises in the east, Michael, and to the <laughs> to the east of me is the the Green Mountains. So I have right. like the second tallest mountain in Vermont, and the sun pretty much comes up over that. So it rises a little later in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same than here. most people, but uh, as soon as it's coming up, I get I get out there even before the sun has fully. Uh, risen over the horizon and and absorb but then once it comes up i try to not every morning how about you yeah not every morning especially now that the kids are up early and going to school it sort of derailed my glorious uh (laughs) morning routine that i had cooking over the summer and most of last year but and i have the same issue i had that question it's like they say you should be staring at the sun for the first 20 minutes uh after sunrise but if you're living in a mountainous climate that's 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 re- relevant it seems like right because all it's all it's relevant so anyway i did a good um i did some good meditation in the sun today that felt a little bit long overdue it's been a few days and and that felt really good but i was really thinking about um it just keeps coming up the pineal gland and the, this element of like the third eye and like intuition uh greater intelligence uh ethereal connection and this whole thing and and this is a topic that matt is like just bathing and swimming in and uh i just love his enthusiasm for for spreading the gospel of basically all that this glorious realm provides for free and we just need to remember that it's there and to remember to tap into it it's like i've been like binging his lives for the last couple of days and also like intermittently googling copper wire and and where where to get pure (laughs) copper wire and like starting to envision the way i'm going to incorporate uh either antennas straight up in my gardens i was even like uh, visualizing how to make like a copper antenna pyramid as like part of my garden design so the wheels are turning. That is for damn sure. Because as I said in the interview, this is, you know, you cruise through your socials and you I follow these old world tech accounts and there's talking about electroculture. But for some reason, I thought like, oh, that's cool that people did that back then. Like fucking badass. But it didn't even occur to me to like wrap some copper around a tree and stick it in my garden and just get get to work. So now I'm getting to work. We've got to be careful about spreading this gospel too far and wide because we'll have a copper shortage. I wonder about that. You know, I live next to this abandoned warehouse and uh, I basically just ignore it. Uh, But I remember five or six years ago, someone broke in there and um, my other neighbor is sort of the caretaker. He's supposed to keep his eye on it. And you know what they stole? Copper. Copper wire. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's one of the things that gets stripped from you know, parts, old broken down parts, copper gets stripped and then, and then resold. But it seems just in my cursory searches the last day, um, I, 
I mean, you're right. It, it, it's almost like toilet paper. <laughs> it's like once people catch wind of it, it flies off the shelf. But I, there doesn't seem to be a dearth of copper yet. But what do I know? I'm just I'm just putting my toes in the water here. Yeah, I, and listen, I should I should um, stop myself before I promote any scarcity narrative. Out there, there you right? go. Because that's well, the whole point. Was that that was a major plank of of the sermon of Matt is to. Uh, dismiss fear and to push back against the scarcity narrative that is constantly being driven. But I, what I thought you were going to say though is we should be careful about uh, t- speaking too often or loudly or publicly about the concept of of harnessing free energy. Well, you know, he I didn't I didn't press him on this. It did enter my mind. We just didn't have the time, and the conversation moved so quickly. But I have seen over the past number of years stories posts about folks who had invented cars that run on water right who met with an untimely death soon thereafter or before their invention could really get out there into the world now i need to do more you know my due diligence a little more research on that but uh i did want to ask him you know you don't want to you don't want to and this was the other thing because you are now talking about fear like do you are you afraid that you would make yourself a target because you're promoting something that could undermine the entire system? If free energy was accessible, if abundance became accessible to the masses, if primary water and the idea of near limitless amounts of water was accessible to the masses, that under that takes the whole system down. You yes. know, blows the whole system up. And and the uh, the levers of control are gone at that point, you know, the bars of the cage almost vanish in, in many ways. Um, and so I, I, th- I wonder about that. You know, I think about that as we do this podcast terrain theory and not, that's not to, you know, put ourselves up there on any sort of pedestal far from it, but the conversation around terrain theory sits opposite germ theory and germ theory is a predominant paradigm and many it's a, it's a paradigm of control. It's a paradigm of profit. So you know, we're pu- we're pushing against a really strong um, opponent. We're yeah. up against a really big Goliath. Correct. So, I don't know, Co- copper pyramid. Like maybe you got to dig, maybe dig a little lower into the earth. Um, get that bunker going. <laughs> you know, get, <laughs> oh, that's what get, you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> get the you know get the get the gun turrets up around the compound. I don't, you know, but that's a fear. That's the fear paradigm. I think you just I have know. to, I think you just have to you have to do what you got to do. I yep. think you, you say what you're going to say. You, you learn what you learn, speak that truth and come what may, you know, I don't think you can walk in fear, period. Period. But you know what? It, I have been waiting for our conversations to come to this place um, because it's, it's, um, what is the word? It doesn't seem like like a disjoinder or something. Like, why are they talking about free energy on a holistic health and wellness podcast? Well, it's because it's it's all the same thing. It's the awareness of what is real and what provides energy. I guess I mean, I've always loved that word, energy. Operation Ivy, energy, like our favorite record back in the day. Like everything yeah. is all everything's energy. We are energy. We're energetic beings. The Earth. Um, is energy and food is energy and light is energy and sound is energy. So, of course, there's going to be. And I don't want to like just be stating the obvious, but like it's self-evident to me 
that uh, pers as we pursue um, health practices, ultimately we're going to bump up against the con the con the greater concept of energy. And here we are. And it's 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 not just that they cross over. It's it's more that it's all one thing. All one thing. Yeah. yeah. I it's not agree. it's exactly so i love that he uses the word nonsense instead of like getting into the weeds of like oh we, we did get into the weeds and he gets into the weeds on you know whether it's like geoengineering or just like the onslaught of toxicity that we talk about on ad nauseum but he just he just calls it all nonsense <laughs> and i like that nonsense is a nice tidy little it's all nonsense and it is nonsense it's it's um uh, antithesis to common sense which i also like to trot out nonsense and he has this message um like i said i've listened to a bunch of him in the last 24 hours and uh so i'm getting a little muddled as to what came right out of our conversation and what i've just been absorbing from him holding court as he stands upon his linen mat which it's it's like he's so thorough with his simplicity um but the another Quinian concept of I mean you can tell how passionate Matt is about sharing this information and encouraging us to to rebroadcast it and he even said like very Quinian one mind at a time like if only one person picks up one thing and then they share it with one person or ten people that's the only way information has ever been shared throughout humanity is. Um, is by by t telling your story, sharing your story, um, teaspoon brigade, you know. And I it's, I just love all the crossovers. The crossovers with Quinn, the crossovers with Pete Seeger, um, the crossovers with maybe some mentors I I can't even name, but uh, just an absolute fireball of of intensity and knowledge and inspiration. Agreed. Um, but clearly not all of it resonated with you because I, I can't help but notice you are not wearing a dunce cap <laughs> as we do our after party. We need, we need after party dunce caps. Oh my God. Yes, we do. Right. We need the pyramids on our heads. Copper lined. Copper lined pyramids on our heads. And then we will be really dialed in. Well, and let's since you, it. since let's do it. I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm in. And that brings up in. this idea of, and I think I mentioned it yesterday. Folks, we were doing this after party uh, the day after the interview, which is why we're, it's not fresh in our heads. Um, but just the idea that jewelry and clothing, and again, Don and David, what you put in and on your body is not just, I feel like in our culture, jewelry has been ascribed to a purely aesthetic function, mm. right? Like it just has, it's like, it's whether it's like it, glimmers or it's a lovely shape or it falls on your body just so but we don't really talk much about the utility like the energetic utility of metals and jewelry and crystals i crystals, mean it, yeah. it, it'll come up occasionally but it's i still feel like that gets filed in the woo woo part of our mm. culture's sort of consciousness and and so like a dunce cap or a crown or a, a a copper bracelet or a copper belt or a copper ring like these are these are utilities to be um to harvest energy for our betterment and not just something that makes you look tough or makes you look pretty or makes you anything and uh i mean i don't even wear my wedding ring because as a musician i don't like to have stuff on my hands 
but it's made of gold you know i should i sh it should be on my body it should i should be resonating with that with that metal it's just got me thinking a lot about about that yeah what we surround ourselves with what we put on our bodies he the the chat about linen linen sheets um i don't did we do that was that even live or was that after the fact cuz i've got these uh, that's a good I, spe question. I spent a lot of money on uh 100% organic i think they're cotton or maybe even bamboo sheets and we were chatting with him i think this was after the fact um and he's like no linen you know you want linen because you're not just thinking about the material itself you're thinking about how it holds like static charges or how it holds charges based on the the non-native emf that you might be surrounded by uh and i had you know you don't even you don't even think about that you don't even think about the clothing that you're wearing you know i was always thinking about organic right organic cotton or, or organic and recycled cotton like trying to reduce that specific footprint and also just make sure that I'm not putting like toxic things on my body. But nowhere along that line did I consider the interaction between my clothing and the electromagnetic field around me, be it like native or non-native. And that was a real eye opener. And now, of course, I'm looking around my house and what I my 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 bureau, what's in my bureau going, okay, like well, full new reevaluation. And it comes back to what you said simple versus complex and now there's this whole nother layer that yes we were aware of electromagnetic fields non-native um we we're aware of that but it's okay now how do you integrate that knowledge and awareness into your your day into your surroundings and what you put on your clothing and it it begs a whole new reevaluation of my life and it's not just limited to electronics which is i think where we had compartmentalized it right, right. when we talk about like okay maybe we should be using wired internet and, and all this as another thing i googled in the last 24 hours is a an ethernet adapter for my phone which exists it's like bring it on but like i mean i'm looking at i'm looking into your apartment right i've never actually been there in person right but you, there's a carpet you're standing on a carpet garbage it like. it's garbage same garbage. here off gassing yeah, I am. I'm up in my studio, and there's this salmon-colored carpet that used to be in my parents' bedroom from New Hampshire. That that was a hand-me-down, and you know, in like the punk rock DIY thrifty mode that I've existed in for most of my life. It's like, yeah, use the hand-me-down, uh, upcycle or repurpose, or don't throw the rug away. Use it, but it's like I'm sitting. Not only am I sitting presently, but like every record I've ever made is on a fucking hive of plastic. It's false. It's fake. It's gross, you know, um, which is not to like <laughs> discredit uh, the work that's been done up here. This is an amazing space with beautiful hardwood floors. Like maybe I should fucking just nick the carpets all together. Carpets. Like, why like are the they here? The furniture, any sort of furniture that's like plastic. You know, you just start thinking about again what was around a hundred years ago or what wasn't around a hundred years ago. Like everyone was, was wood furniture, like hand carved wood furniture that, you know, that was it. And, and then organic materials on top of it to make it a little bit softer around the edges. Um, all, all of it, like our bedding, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to sleep on? What are we going to put on our bodies? What are we going to lounge in? Like I, the whole thing just needs to be thrown out. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's, you know, I, we we played a gig at a farm in Maine in the middle of September, and I met a sheep shearer um, who was really lovely. We had a great conversation, but it, I don't even think, I think this was a conversation 
he and Ruth had and that she relayed to me. But saying how like keeping sheep uh, is the for, for in his time in farming made the most sense because it can provide uh, milk and meat and clothing and it just kept going on and on. It's like everything you need is uh, comprised in this one beautiful animal. And so this this move towards natural fibers and local organic small farms, um, it just it becomes that much more obvious why we need to keep pushing to to champion these these um, these type of people and communities and farmers because that's what's real. That's what's real. They are purveyors of what is real, and. Um, <laughs> And, you know, si- simultaneously, it's like, you know, we're drowning in plastic and go to the grocery store and everything's wrapped in plastic. And they literally stand at opposed to each other. We keep banging our head against the wall saying, what are we going to do with all this plastic? Meanwhile, there are these beautiful farmers cranking out um, actual organic, real products. And so here, here to those people and and our embrace of them and championing of them uh, all over the world because they're there. They're there. It's not like we have to build it all from scratch. These people actually are here doing the work and we just need to keep supporting them. Yeah, they're doing nothing less than saving our species and maybe saving our planet from ourselves. <laughs> That's it. And oh, maybe God. they don't even know about fucking copper pyramids in the gardens yet i mean that's what's so cool yeah yeah listen next time we do next time we do this podcast uh i will look like uh, the persian king xerxes from (laughs) the spartan movie 300 i'm going to have jewelry i'm gonna have copper everything i'm talking (laughs) copper piercings all over my body Uh, i'm gonna set off every metal detector between here and burlington there's not many but um Awesome. Man, I learned so much. Folks, uh, and we hope you learned something too. Head to the website um, to learn a little bit more about terrain theory. We've got a great resource page. Uh, We have a whole page on redefining nature, a change.org to literally redefine nature as it's written in many dictionaries. Um, We have the human species written out of nature right now. And as Mike and I try to get to the root cause of many of the things that hold us back as a species we see that as one of them we need to reinsert ourselves back into nature and that's one of the ways we're going to try to do it change.org remember that uh, nothing you heard here should be taken as medical advice as neither mike nor i are medical professionals and remember that you are light you are love and you are your primary health care provider we'll catch you on the next one